You're listening to The Ones Ready Podcast, a team of Air Force Special Operators forged in combat with over 70 years of combined operational experience, as well as a decade of selection instructor experience. If you're tired of settling and you want to do something you truly believe in, you're in the right place. Now here's your host, former Prep Course Ops Superintendent and current Special Reconnaissance Training Guru, Trent Segmiller. And welcome back to another Ones Ready Podcast, everybody. You're here with Aaron Jared and Trent, not necessarily in that order of importance. And today we're going to give you some uh, some knowledge and some lessons. But before we get to that, as always, just want to thank the people that uh, look out for us so we can look out for you. And today we're talking about Eberly Stock. Head over to Eberly Stock to get yourself a bag, put in the ones ready code, get a discount. They also have good, uh, you know, like pants and jackets and everything that you need to uh, either be a tactical nerd or a hunting nerd. And you know how you guys, I say nerd in the best possible way. I love it. I love when people get into things get good at stuff and Everly Stock has definitely done that with their gear game. Uh, they're all over and they have the best stuff out there on the market. I use it and I know the other guys use it and we love it. Aaron usually has something to say right now because I, I bowed the intro and I don't I, was, I don't say anything. I was laughing mainly because the intro is terrible. I love when you do intros. They're always I, I never know what's going to happen. I just buckle up. I just hold on and I'm like where are we going? And sometimes I'm like land the land the plane Trent. Where are we going here buddy? Sometimes you crush it. Today you didn't do didn't do a bad job. I have a uh, you were talking about pants and jackets and stuff and being a hunting nerd. I have this one jacket, this this pullover uh, that I have from them. It's like a three quarters. It's the most fantastic jacket I ever have. I get excited when I have a reason to pull that bad boy out and wear it. So shout out to Everly Stock for helping out and shout out to Trent for apparently working on the intros when no one else is around because at least that one was like coherent. It was to the point. Use code ones ready at checkout. That's important. You got to say it like three times. So use code ones ready at checkout overly over at uh, everlystock.com and get you a sweet pack or one of those sweet zips. But ones ready at checkout. You're doing great. See, I don't even know why I do intros because I just throw it over to you to fix it for me. I'm like, Aaron, help help me over here. I, I, I didn't plan for this at all. Nothing makes me more happy when we decide. And it's always right before we get on, you know, who's going to do the intro. And I love it when it's you because I'm just like, he wasn't expecting it. We weren't expecting it. Nobody was expecting it. We're just going to go for it. I love it. You, you want another? Uh, yeah. So speaking of, of things happening and not expecting them, huh? We're going to talk about expectations oh, management today. See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Do you see Do you see what you did there? That was awful. That was the worst transition of all time. It was great. That's, that's how I do things. I don't care. Um, so I, I did want to, I wrote this uh, this up, and I was, I was thinking about it. As, as you go through your career, and all of us have, have been basically all the way through our careers, almost. We're, we're almost there. Uh, we're not super old yet, except for Jared. Um but there, there are things that happens, and, and I think what happens a lot of times, and we look at a lot of the questions that we get in, and we, we interact with a lot of the young folks, and uh, one of the things um, that I want to talk about is expectation management. Like, what happens not only when you get into the pipeline, which we talk about a lot, but what happens once you get the funny hat? Because no one, I think, has really mapped out that road very well, and some of the pitfalls and some of the other things that, uh, that go along with that, and, and our experiences, or mostly, you know, Jared's experiences. So, Jared... What what happens after you get your beret? And um, like, was it what you expected? And, and how did all that go down? Because I don't think we've really ever talked about all the things that happen once you get the funny hat, and then what's expected, and, and did it meet your expectations? And so, I mean, for me, I just I didn't really know what to expect because it didn't. Nobody really talked about it. Um, so, I guess it would be a. I just kind of stayed quiet as quiet as I could possibly be anyway because I'm not actually that quiet 
and try and learn from the dudes that are on the team because the teams look a lot different now than they did when I came in. When I came in, you were looking at seven to ten dudes on a team, and usually a squadron would have three teams. Um, so, you know, we were all close, all tight-knit, and when I got the team, they were all dudes that had, had done stuff in Somalia, so they were all war-proven, you know, as well. So, and, you know, again, they were the the war heroes, if you want to call it that or whatever, because they were all decorated and all really good people to look up to. Um, Aaron, I know you know Bill Adams. I, Trent, yeah. I'm not sure if you do or not, but, like, Bill Adams was a tech sergeant. He, he was my... Uh, him and Eric Nielsen were like the guys that grabbed me on team that had been on there for a while and, and helped mentor me and teach me and um, two great dudes to have as, as mentors but um, so I didn't really know what to expect coming in uh, upon graduation but what happened for me was you start going on close air support trips you start going on shooting schools um, Driving wasn't as big of a thing then. It was primarily close air support trips and shooting schools and then working on getting your upgrade because um, a lot of us didn't. So in the Air Force, you, know, you guys know this, but for, for the other folks, you know, there's skill levels in the Air Force that um, you have to complete certain tasks and certain tests to get your upgraded skill level, your three level, your five level, your seven level. And those levels will allow you to do certain things on your own. Um, so upon graduation, you're three level. Then you go to STTS if you're going into the special tactics world for the PJs. Um, and then you leave there, hopefully, with your five level, which gives you um, you know, a certain amount of freedom, if you will, to operate and do things. Um, and then you get your seven level and so on. But like, I didn't know what three level was. I didn't know what five level was. I was, right. I mean, I was dumb. And I, well, I mean, I, and, and for everybody out I there would argue too, like, that some people probably don't know that coming in either. What three <laughs> level, five level, seven level is. And it is intense. Like trying to boil that, that process down, like trying to boil down upgrades. Like we all inherently understand it because we've been living it for 20 years. It's hard to right. explain to somebody, but, the short answer here is like there's always these really hard to get events too. So if you didn't hit your upgrade just right, or if the guys were gone, like sometimes you'd get on a different cycle, like you'd be supporting a different team. And you, I didn't see like my supervisor for like two years. It's funny that you mentioned Bill Adams because one of the guys that I was supervising for, uh, Nick, well, you, you know, Nick, I just won't use his last name, but um, I didn't see Nick for two years. He just popped up in the team room one day and I was like, oh, wow, dude, you still work here. He, we were just on opposite cycles. But it was funny because uh, at the time, Senior Adams gave me one of the uh, biggest ass chewings of my life <laughs> at the 321st. He was the op soup. And uh, I was taking like I was basically supervising a guy. He got into a funny story. I won't tell it here, but it just ended with him shouting at a, <laughs> a chief across the parking lot going, eat a D. Uh <laughs> So Wild Bill Adams called me in and was like, hey, man, uh, this has to happen. But he proceeded to jump knee deep <laughs> into, into, into my butt. So uh, it's a pretty good one. You brought that up. And I'll, I'll always remember getting yelled at. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Justin Fox, for getting me in trouble. But anyway, yeah. And it, so the upgrades are really, really hard to get. And there's always like some really tough items. So like Peaches is saying, you get to your unit, you immediately jump into that upgrade process, which is intense. And then you hope to just hit it right and knock it out. Because otherwise, it could be another two years of, of training trying to get, you know, a couple line items. So 
yeah, just wanted to clear that up. The upgrade process is a tough thing to try to, to explain. Yeah, well, I think I mean, the, the, it really is unless you've been living it. The pararescue uh, seven-level upgrade process is notoriously difficult. I think there's only like three seven-levels in the PJs in the entire Air Force right <laughs> I, now. I can't believe Yeah, they. Uh, it's because it's like a championship belt. You're not allowed to have a bunch of seven-levels. There's only like five. And then every once in a while, there's a fight, and that title changes hands. But we don't make more TLs, right? It's just five. Oh, I've seen the big belt you guys That's have. That's it, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a fantastic if we don't make belt. a PJ Kumite shirt, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> I be upset of how many dudes. It's like you could have one per like active duty unit. So like the two series units of the ACC units. I'll get one. So, yeah. But it is uh, it is notoriously hard. It's hard showing up, too, you know, to, to talk about what we're here for. It's hard showing up to that unit. Because, uh, you know, and I've seen it from both ends now as an instructor, too. When the students leave, like, you're like, okay, you're like a proud parent. You're like, I think, I hope I did well by them. I hope they show up and they do good on the team. But you realize some people aren't. Some people are going to get there and their life is going to change and things are going to change with who they are as a person. And they're not going to get along with everybody on the team. Or maybe it wasn't the right personalities for them to go to. And they're not going to, they're not going to do what you kind of, you kind of accept that. But on the other end, when you're leaving that pipeline, it's hard. It's hard to manage those. Like you, you did just get through two years worth of a pipeline. You do want to go there. You're like, you, you've been validated in a sense. You feel good. You're like, I graduated. I'm gonna go to the team and I'm gonna engage and I'm gonna help what you know help out with stuff and I'm gonna get into this upgrade and knock it out. And man, it, it screwed me up for sure because I wanted to go and immediately put out and I was a staff sergeant and I wanted to start. Hey, all right, cool. And they were like, Yeah, awesome, dude. Take the trash out and shut up a little bit because <laughs> I too am, am not a not a quiet person like I'm a big personality especially inside of a team room so um, no. I, I know I think we all know that right like I'm not breaking any 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 news here but those expectations are hard to manage where do I fit in how should I be interacting where where is my place in this hierarchy and then knowing how to navigate that it's tough and it's hard to manage those expectations going into any in any any new space and you'll do it when you go and support other teams or you know you'll do it in the pipeline like everybody out there listening right now if you're like riding the pipeline right now you meet different people at different schools or you know for the pjs they get put on long teams together the the paramedic teams are long they're six months eight months together with the same group of dudes and if you hit that one and the apprentice course you're talking about spending you know a year and a half with really the same really close group of dudes and those expectations will change inside of that dynamic too. Right. And I think one of the things is the, the, the pipeline exists to teach very specific uh, uh, training items, right. That are, that are lined out. But I think one of the things that we don't talk about is it also teaches you the lifestyle uh, more or less, right. It, I think it's more relaxed on team and, and it's weird because you get there and you, you just came off this big high of graduation and like you said, there's going to be some dude in the team room that's like, look, dude, everybody here has a funny hat. Like, go take out the trash and, and be the new guy. Um, but I, I, I think if you expect that that lifestyle of constantly upgrading and learning to end once you leave the pipeline, like you're going to have a little dip, you know, like you get your graduation, you get to celebrate. But like as soon as you hit that team room and you walk through that door, like it's coming at you again. So um, like... Is it a blessing or a curse having that funny hat? You know what I mean? Like, like oh, yeah. the expectations don't change. It's it's because, like you said, you walk in. There's a, there's a room of heroes. You know, for Jared's words, and uh, and how do you live up to that that standard? Cause that well, because that standard is your standard now. 
Well, because then you're expected to be a peer. Like, that's not even... Like, now, you're not a student. There's nobody over the shouldering you. Like, you put your shoot on, you go get... I, I distinctly remember jumping for the first time and going up to the JM and just being like, nobody really, like... My boy kind of, like, helped me throw my shoot on. I hope this is right, you know? Like, I go up and I'm, he JMs me. And I just... We had this weird, awkward pause where I'm just, like, standing there. And we're kind of, like, looking at each other. He's like, well... I was like, nothing am I good? He's like, yeah, go sit down. It's like, all right. But it was, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of weird, huh? With the instructor thing. Like, cause you're, you're in a, you're in a schoolhouse environment and you're like, okay, well I've got this umbrella of safety. Right. Um, nothing could possibly happen. And then you get to the team and you're like, well, wait a minute. Isn't there an instructor here to help me out? No, No, dude. I need an adult and you're the adult. And then I'm always like, I need an adult here. Adult. Is there somebody that's better than me? that can help me out on this. So that's, that's tough too, is, is making that switch that no longer are you just a person that's going to show up with your gear when you're supposed to, you're, you're going to, you might be teaching the event that day. You might be expected to be the hardest skill position in that event. If we're jumping, you might be the number one band and everybody might be following you to the point. Or if you're at that point in your career, you know, you might be the stack master. You might be running the entire Hey Ho offset or, or whatever it is that we're doing. So, it, it never stops. There's always something that's going to pop up that, that is going to, you know, challenge you and, and get there. But, uh, man, yeah, I just, I distinctly remember thinking to myself, well, no more student stuff. Like it's real now. If you screw something up, like you were going to, you're going to die. And I don't know why, like I'd done it a, a couple times, at least a handful of times before then. But I just remember thinking, oh man, if you screw this one up, Aaron, Ooh, there's nobody to blame, but yourself and your schoolhouse instructors. Ooh, yeah, that doesn't end, by the way. <laughs> I know, yeah, right. I'm waiting for that feeling to go away. I don't think it's going it doesn't. To. Right. I, I, I don't want to say like imposter syndrome, but there's always that anxiety of, you know, because I, I, everything is kind of firehosed in the community for everything. So I don't think that you ever. If I mean, I've never felt comfortable with everything that I'm supposed to know and be good at and do. You know, obviously, I can't even do an intro to a podcast. So, you know, you just go out there and you, you do your best. Well, but, we're um, not firing but, you, so like we're not voting you off the island or anything. So at least you're safe there. So that's good. I don't. I'm worried about those West Coast secret meetings that y'all have. You know, <laughs> the PNW. Yeah, gonna be, gonna be chopping it up in the gym for PT in the morning, just talking about how to get you out of here. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, but as you move forward, um, I, I want to talk about this. I know this is a loaded question. Uh, Jared, if you want to take this, uh, how far will the beret get you? Uh, and the first one is like deployment. Like you show up and say, you know, I have a red hat. I'm a combat controller. Like how, how far does that, that take you with a sister service team? Uh, nowhere. <laughs> what? In fact, if you if you came up to somebody and said that right off the bat, I'd say, that's they, a tough go, uh, "Yeah, that's cool. That is Beat a it. tough opener. Cool. <laughs> we need nerd. somebody else." We were talking. <laughs> we were talking about stuff, and you interrupted. Just tell me what color your hat is. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> hey guys, not sure if you noticed this, but uh, yeah. Um. So obviously, you're not going to go and and say something like that, but um. You know, when, like, for example, when the 18 x-ray for the ODAs, when when that was first a thing, right, uh, which was, um, for all those that don't know, 18 series guys or Green Berets, it used to be that they had to do another job in the Army 
before they could then become a Green Beret, just because they wanted more mature, more seasoned uh, folks. Then the 18 X-ray program started, and then they were taken, um, they had some saying for it, but it was, it was basically off the street. They could become a Green Beret. They no longer had to go do a normal job. So, um, and then, you know, Afghanistan happened a lot. And we, you know, we had Somali. We had all this stuff beforehand, you know, and then Desert Storm and everything like that. But once, uh, you know, September 11th happened and we were, every single ODA had a, a JTAC or a combat controller or a TAC-P with it, um, you know, and, and then we'd get in a, a troops in contact scenario and then, you know, calling in close air support would help out the situation. Um we started to build a lot more credibility and that's all it is. I mean, even if I right now were to go attached to a SEAL team or a Green Beret team or SAS or whatever that would be, I would still have to, even if some of them, some of them knew me and some of them didn't, I would still have to prove myself. That doesn't end uh, regardless of how you've been. So um, you have to prove yourself. You have to go in there. You have to perform. You have to show up to every single training event. You have to, you know, you got to be Johnny on the spot when they're, something, you know, an airfield or some kind of medical triage when there's some kind of recce mission. Like, you have to be Johnny on the spot and knock it out of the park just to help build that credibility. But going back to the 18 x-ray thing, like, there was a lot of, like, hey, why would we have Air Force guys attaching to us? Like, why? Um, And so there was a lot of that at the beginning. And then that goes away as soon as you get through your first firefight. So... Um, yeah, that, that is my TED talk. I still think that's how you should start it off. Hi, I'm Jared and I'll be your combat controller for the day. And then that's just how you should start every single interactive. No, that's a, I mean, we used to live that obviously, you know, in England is, is you would, it wasn't just okay to attach to a team. Like they, you might be the only PJ they've ever had. We knew that wasn't the case with us, but that's how we approached everything. You might be the only time that anybody sees anybody from your career field. Like you might actually represent a whole career um, of essentially perception for this person. So we always, uh, I mean, if you were trying to win that number one gun during the week, you were trying to win every single PT event. You know, I had a team leader that, that said never miss an opportunity to just shut up. And then when something falls in your lane, just like you were saying, just absolutely knock it out of the park. Just crush it. Wait for your moment. Step up crush it when you know the music is going to stop and people are going to look at you and it's going to be a moment where they're going to be like okay well let's see what you got and you can fail in that moment you know i mean these sort of things exist because there are bad perceptions i have showed up to teams and had people go hey do you know this guy and it's not in a good light and you're like uh yeah i do um i hope he did what he did for whatever reason he did but i don't know I'm, i'm here to work now though so let's fix some of those problems but um, yeah, you, you do. There's, there's definitely a lot of, you know, a lot of proving yourself and people are going to know who you are when you go in there and you're like, Hey, I'm the PJ, you know, I'm Aaron or, you know, I'm, I'm the SR guy. I'm Trent. Like there always is some, uh, some perceptions that come along with that stuff, but it, it could be negative too. Yeah. You're, you're not wrong. They, I'm sorry, Trent. I stepped on you just because of the delay, but like, just to hit that real quick. Um, <laughs> And you are an ambassador for PJs, SR, Combat Control. Like, you're right. You could be the only dude that they've met, as, you know, as of now. Um, and if you show your ass, like, that's going to set everybody else 
up for a bad experience or having to try even harder to, to gain credibility. Yeah, looking at you, pipeline students, all you cones out there that are sitting around like that. That's where you don't understand. Like I used to flip out about this when I was an instructor and I could never explain it really well. But your interaction with this one off random, you know, single serving friend in Salt Lake City, Utah, when you're having a drink in the in the airport, you know, lounge. He might be the only he might be the only person that he ever meets in his entire life that is an AFSPEC or no kidding, like a candidate, even a candidate, like even somebody that's just in the pipeline. So the, where these stories come up where they were like, yeah, some students said that they were PJs and they started having this conversation. Lo and behold, this person knew that person. And boom. Now you're in trouble for saying you're a PJ. Like we get mad at that because we cultivate that perception very well among the community we are very tight-knit we are very aware of our perception you know as an entire community we do a good job of policing our own so when those sort of things get out we're like oh come on man it, you, you probably didn't need to do that um and and that's why at least from an instructor standpoint or from an old dude and old head standpoint that's why i get ticked off at those things it's like hey you know don't don't fly our flag you haven't you haven't earned the right to to fly that flag yet and when you do like do so really carefully so, I don't know. It always annoyed me really bad when those stories would come out. I think one of the things I was trying to get at with this question, too, is, um, man, like you said, most people in the United States of America don't even know what that flag is. It's uh, and, and I wanted to, to make it clear to, to everybody out there um, that, that's thinking about joining this community is we're not – like, everybody knows the, the, the Navy dudes or whatever and the, the Army guys and all that other stuff, but uh, – you know, we are the, the smallest force, I think, and we're also, we're, we're everywhere. We're like the, the people that are everywhere that most people have never heard of. Uh, so I think I wrote down, like, where how far does it get you in a deployment and in life? And it's just funny to even think about, like, because you know people that are out there that are like former Navy SEALs or whatever, and they can walk up to, like, a normal person and be like, yeah, I was a, I was a Navy SEAL, or it comes up in conversation. I'm not saying that all Navy SEALs are, like, pilots, but... Um, uh, you know, but like if you walk up to a person, you're like, yeah, you know, I was an Air Force ground pounder calling in airstrikes or sneaky squirrel, secret squirrel or PJs are a little bit. Some people know about them, you know, like rescue people and all that. Mm -hmm. But you're you're going to get a whole lot of glassy blank stares back in your oh, face. Yeah. So if if you're trying to get into this for like a, a built in reputation amongst the general populace, I'm, 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 I'm going to go ahead and say that that's not going to do anything for you. Yeah, I got bad news for you, pal. The number of times that you want somebody to ask about it is way higher than the number of times that people actually say something about it. <laughs> yeah, you can dress up in your silly off-duty operator uniform all you want. Put on all your 5'11", put on your team t-shirt, go have a like a beer, be like, I can't wait till somebody asks me about being an operator. Oh, oh my gosh. We just got back off a jump trip. I got all these videos on my phone. This is going to be fantastic. Guess what? They don't care. Nobody cares. Half the people on your team don't care. So there you go. Uh, how's that for expectation management? Bam, in your face. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. So, and, and then getting back. So what, what do we judge each other on? Like, what is, what is, what is Aaron Love's reputation built on in the community? Uh, or, or other people's lies, reputations. Lies and terrible stories, speaking for yours truly. Um, so it's good. You start the second that you get into the pipeline, you start building that that reputation. You know, you start building. Everybody knows we're so small. You're you're one name away. You know, if you if you drop any random controller's name, I can be like, oh, where's he work? Oh, okay, cool. And then you know somebody that works there. You're you're no kidding. One question away 
at all times from figuring out exactly at least what a guy's history is, right? Because our history is what's happened. Like, what are the things that we've done that are that are in our past? And then their perception is like, hey, what's the overall feel of this dude's character and how is he as a dude? Because we all have those guys that are like, oh, yeah, terrible in the team room. Good guy. Nice guy. Give you the shirt off his back. Good dude. Um, but they're just absolute tactical liability. Terrible on target. Never, you know, never, never jump with this guy. But no, he's awesome. He's, he threw barbecues all the time. Anyway, um, you got to throw out the disclaimer there, you know, because you can say whatever you want afterwards. You can just go, hey, you know, this guy. Great dude. Great, great dude. dude. Great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> absolute tactical liability. Don't get any. If you guys are shooting weapons, mm-mm, just go ahead and sit that one out. Let him do what he's going to do and then whatever. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, it starts in the pipeline and it starts with, you know, a couple of those stories will come out and you'll get stressed and there'll be funny stuff about all of us. We all have hilarious stories in our in our background where half like half the time I look at him, I just shake my head. I'm just like, God, I'm an idiot. Um, you know, but you have a, a, those collection of stories and, you know, you get a couple of deployments under your belt and you start to know, you know, you have good assignments and bad assignments and stuff. And I don't think, uh, you know, we, we definitely hold each other accountable because we are put in, you know, you have one bad deployment where you run, you know, a four to six month period of somebody's life and you make it miserable for them. Like people are going to feel some type of way about that. Like that's going to, you know, that's going to follow you and shoot you in the foot. Or if you don't necessarily work so great in admin and you're in an admin heavy position and you don't do so well, somebody's probably going to critique you for that. But, um, you know, at least on our side of the fence, the controllers, you guys, you guys eat your young way more than the PJs do. The PJs are a little bit more like, inclusive like hey bring it in we're gonna we're gonna team through this thing and you guys are just like all right well uh can we murder this guy yet like he just that was his first screw up you can't kill him right away dude like the controllers on the team are like so is this what we just basically publicly execute this guy (laughs) he had a bad run he had one bad day (laughs) like let's not cut him loose yet they're like well we would have already killed him you pjs are soft you do whatever you want aaron Why is and that? You think, you think you think we're bad? Tac P's are even worse, and then and then uh, security forces are even worse than that. Yeah, I mean that's those, security those forces are the kings. I think kings. There's just so many of them. They don't care. They're like, I got three more E threes that can hop in here right yeah. now. I don't know what you're crying about. Yep. No, I I don't I don't know why, and I I try and um, at least have hopefully tried to change that culture, revector that culture a little bit. Um, I and totally scaring people here. I get it's just I don't, I don't know. We I guess probably because we are some of the mistakes that could happen or do happen could be you know uh, life ending or life limb or eyesight issues. Um, I mean you you think about you mess it up coordinates on a nine line and you're dropping bombs on friendlies or maybe civilians like that's that's life changing. So we're we're very very tough on people when it comes to that, but there needs to be room for error. One hundred percent. I'm not. I don't deny that at all. <laughs> but but you are very However, much judged on your your you know performance, right? That's right. But you are very much judged on your performance. It's not. I don't know because like you, kids get kids whatever candidates people get wrapped around the axle about all this other stuff and we make fun of them in the pipeline for the way that they look and the, the way that they talk and where they came from and all this other stuff but i think once you get on team I mean, we're still going to talk mad amounts of shit 
but <laughs> it's it's mostly you know like your your real reputation is based on your performance yeah for sure and it follows you too if you, if like I, I i tell guys that come in to the new unit like hey what i don't know what happened beforehand like if you if you got in trouble or or whatever um but you're coming to the unit with a clean slate and I, I try and convey that to the guys that also are leaving the unit is that hey, you know, I can't speak for the, the guys at the next unit, but your reputation probably, they probably are already aware of you, whether that's good or bad. But um, so you just got to know. And it's, it's, if there's a stigma attached to you, it's tough to get rid of that, especially if you're a subpar performer. Oh, yeah. 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 Yikes. Yeah. Like, sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> it's just the reality of it. I'm, <laughs> not, I'm, not, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything. I mean, that's just like, the reality of it. They already know about it. Uh, you're already doomed. You can do whatever you want at this point. But uh, get out of my office. I'm like, <laughs> I, I think it's time for time to hit the retirement button. Then I think I'm about done. <laughs> I got bad news for everybody. I got to well, get out of here. I mean, Eric, Eric, are you telling me that when I should before I showed up to the unit? And, and obviously there was probably a handful of people that knew me were people not talking already going like the people that are. didn't know me sitting here and going like, Hey, uh, how is he? Who is he? Uh, that kind of, of course stuff. they are. Cause we're a bunch of high school students at the very end of the day. Like the drama club doesn't like the AV club. So you have to have these little rivalries and everybody even has their little flag and their guide on. Like it's just the silliness of it. So yeah, of course people want to talk, uh, you know, ahead of time. And that stuff does definitely happen. Like I won't, I won't even pretend like it doesn't. People gossip. You know, one guy may know a story about you, whether it's a funny story or a good or a bad story or whatever. That stuff always floats around. For the record, though, now that we're on the podcast and this is going to be put out to the world, I always said nothing about you. Just let people form their <laughs> own opinions. They would say anything at all. And I'd be like, man, you need to talk to Peach about that. They're like, well, I mean, do you know him? I'm like, yeah, pretty well. And I would just let it go with that. I'd be like, yeah, but. But so, so I'm, I guess I'm a little bit different than everybody else because all you got to do is go on to YouTube or Spotify right. and then you can tell. Because I am, at least I think so, I am the exact same here that I am like in real life. Right. Except like, with you yell a lot more in real life, which is great. I like. No, when, I cuss a lot more. I like when you get. 100% <laughs> cuss a lot more. I like when you get all riled up. <laughs> there's is, nothing, there's is, nothing better than a, than a good motivated beaches. The biggest challenge to doing this podcast is not like figuring out something profound or good to say. It's not <laughs> dropping f bombs every other word. <laughs> yep, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 hard. It's the the struggle is real. Um, and in that vein, I did want to ask. I think we've covered some of the other stuff, but who does talk the most smack? Because I remember. One of the great things about once the uh, the my career field was integrated with the two series units is instead of there being like this like weird thing, I could go into the team room and watch the Jays and the combat controllers yell at each other, and then Attack P would walk into the room, and then it all re explode into a whole another conversation about nonsense. Right. right. And like uh, the the two gray hats that existed at the time could just sit in the corner and watch it all go down, and we're like, this is fantastic. I love this. But like in the greater soft community, like who who does talk the most smack, and uh. You know, just, just, and is it real? I think, cause that's another thing that I see these comments sometimes. They're like, oh, like, why do these Green Berets like hate the Air Force guys? I'm like, dude, like, we're just talking. We're yeah. just, like, I hate them as well. Like, I, I, you know, I say terrible things about them as well, but whatever. 
<laughs> right, for sure. Well, everybody gets it equally. Like, first of all, there's nobody that gets undue, like uh, undue attention, except for Grantham and former Seer guys. I just I don't have any talent. Or I'm just gonna call out somebody big every single podcast. See what happens. So, yeah, Grantham, you're out of here. Um, <laughs> that's what you get for also being in the Pacific Northwest. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's one of those things too. Like if it comes down to it, that's the thing people don't understand is if you really dug into it with anybody that was saying anything mean about anybody else, it's never serious. It's never a thing where you're just like, yeah, I just I don't know, I just hate all of these dudes. You know, they're all they're all stupid, whatever. Like that doesn't apply anywhere, whether it's Green Beret or if you're just in the Marines or if you work for the Navy or whatever it is that you do. Like it's really not a thing. So we definitely do talk a lot of crap. I I can only speak. My favorite is the ST. Uh, I call them the crap talking points, like the controllers. I don't know where you guys get it, Peaches, whether it's a pipeline thing or whatever, but you have like three talking points and somebody somewhere pulls every single combat controller aside and they go, all right, listen, if a PJ has got you dead to rights, like let's say he just outshot you, you're going to call him a sky nurse. And the student's like, wait, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. They're like, no, 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 trust me. They hate it. <laughs> they hate it if you just say that they're like a nurse or if there's just like an EMT on a helicopter, trust me. It's going to just throw them for a loop and you won't have to talk to them anymore. The student's like, all right, cool. And then you guys get to the unit and then that is all of your shit talking. It is the, it is three bullet points. It's you're a sky nurse. We actually, I, I got into the air force to drop bombs and kill people and uh, everything other than being a JTAG is stupid. Ugh. And then that's the limit. Like if you just weather that storm <laughs> as a PJ, you're good. You got all kinds of material. You just got to wait. They have a little card now that you just read through, but that's that's basically all you got to do with you guys, and then it's it's on because that's the there's extent. A, there's a fourth, well, what's a fourth, fifth? Like well, you got you know you got a trail of carabiners behind you, you go, just hooked yeah. up everywhere. There we go. And you oh, guys are big in the hacky sack. You're just a bunch of hippies. I do it. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> Which but... I will get in on some hacky sack. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you play hacky sack before. That's the thing. Hack I in. I still don't know how that became, and maybe it is just because we're all a bunch of hippies at heart, but I have no idea how the hacky sack thing has gotten. But that's that's usually the uh, the, the talking shit for uh, the dynamic, at least in the team room. And then you guys still, I like how you're like, yeah, then the gray hat guys can actually jump into the front. No, you still hang out. You're just in the team room for it. You're in the background like this. No, we just we just God, watch. God, I hope they don't turn on us. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And if you have a tag P guy that's like not that smart. That's the worst for it. Like, if you have a guy that's not that quick on his feet and he's a tack B guy, it immediately just becomes, like, the controllers are, like, warming up to go actually, like, have a, a one-on-one with a PJ. They have to, like, get their stuff together, and they'll, like, warm up on the tack P. It's great. The weather guy, <laughs> <laughs> the former weather dude, now the, the SR guys, you just, they're, they're just, like, yeah, they're just, like, critique. <laughs> like, oh, it wasn't as good as the tack P. You don't want to bring that to one of the Js. They're going to crush you, man. Yeah, we just redirect it back into the the PJ combat control thing. Like we just exactly. keep all the argument going there, so that it's not coming our direction. It doesn't you just gotta redirect off. it. That's it. It doesn't spill off into your area. Like you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think uh, we established that combat control talks the most shit. All right. So, um, I, I wrote some of these questions based on my own experiences, obviously. And so, uh, I wrote down: Does the bray make the man? And then there's: uh, Are there complacency traps? Um, cause I know for myself, it, it's easy and we've talked about this a little bit before. It's easy to get to a certain point in your career, right? Whether it's getting the beret, whether it's getting some kudos, whether it's making it, uh, having a good reputation, which is almost worse, uh, than having a bad reputation sometimes. Like you go on, you know, for me, I went on my first rotation, I came back 
you got people like trying to pat you on the back, right? Whether it's deserved or not, like the story that came back home that they got, you know, you have like an instant reputation and things are good. Uh, but you kind of already accomplished all of these goals that you had set out for you. And if you're not, at least for me, I had a hard time um, moving past that and just uh, being part of the process versus like, well, what do I do now? And am, am I really the man, you know, like in my like tiny little community of people that actually heard anything about what happened? Um, or and, and then how do you get past that or how, how do you overcome those things and, uh, you know, and keep moving forward and, and setting new goals? Anybody? I'm going to go to Jared with this one because he's got the most experience. Like a lot more experience. Dude, that's... Actually, Aaron, you got this one. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking like, uh... Okay. Um, yeah, it, there's, it's a weird thing, right? Like, I've had times, no kidding, walking into the, to the base exchange or walking into a store and I had a uniform on and I looked and I was like, holy crap, I'm a PJ. Like, you go through those ebbs and flows where you no kidding you you live life for so long like you you do random stuff like i'm i'm taken aback by the minutiae of just like our everyday like we have a joke you know my son and i will joke around where there'll be some ridiculous you know action sequence on from a movie and i'll be like hey william you know what we call that he's like yeah thursday and we have that funny joke right like oh okay yeah we just randomly throw tanks out of c5s and whatever but every once in a while, like you have a day where you, you go and you jump like four times a day and somebody threw a medical scenario in at the end of it. And then you have a hilarious car ride home and you go out to dinner with the team and you kind of look back on that day. And you're like, man, this is not an ordinary life. It is not a, a bunch of ordinary things that you do. So I, I think the beret is one of those things where you have to earn it every single day. Every single day that you have that beret on has to be better than your last day. You have to realize that you're held to a higher standard. You have to kind of figure yourself out. And when you consistently understand like kind of the rules of, of that game, I think that the beret opens a, a whole life to you that is ridiculously like good. Like it's a righteous mission. It's doing fun stuff at work. It's meeting awesome people like all these things that we make it out to be like surprise. It's those are real. That's amazing. I think it's tough. You know, people kind of lose sight of they kind of flip it a little bit. They're like, oh, look at all these cool things that the beret does. Like, now I get to do all these cool things. Well, yeah, you get to do all those cool things because of, you know, the beret and the career field and the reason why you're really here. And that's what you need to be focusing on. Like, it's it's totally good to have those fun times. And it's totally good to every once in a while be like, oh, dang, look how good I look in a uniform. Look how good these blues look with all these ribbons. Peaches step up in places looking like a Peruvian general. Just, ugh looking good on that unit but like i mean it's it's fun like those are that's good feedback like you earn that you earn that through your blood sweat and tears that it takes for you to get there and you know losses that you had in your career field like it, it feels different but i think you do that's one a big thing with me is like you earn the beret every single day you earn your your position every single day like when i'm not when i'm not a good flight chief anymore when i'm not a good pj anymore all right take me out of ops and take me off the team so i shouldn't be there like i'll, I'll say that straight up so i think if you let the beret make you that's a pretty good thing if you try to model your behavior after what what we know a good pj to be a good controller a good sr guy a good tag p guy you know we know what those look like so if you model yourself after what that's supposed to look like uh, i think that's a pretty good start yeah i mean that's we you're right though we are held to a higher standard as we should be it's just like you know police officers out in the community Sorry, but you are held to a different standard than your normal citizen. 
you just are just like we are um, and everybody gets comfortable uh, at, at some point um, and it's recognizing that and pulling yourself out of it because getting comfortable is um, it's a it's like a slow death kind of thing you know um, like we we've seen it and, and I am also guilty of it uh, especially after a, a permanent change of station, a PCS or a move for those folks that don't know what that is. But like, I have a tendency to fall into a trap where I'm not necessarily training as hard as I normally would. I'm eating like crap, you know, and, and I gain some weight. And we've, we've seen some of those PJs, controllers, SR, tech P's, whatever that, you know, have gotten a little large and they no longer go to the gym. They no longer show up. Um, and you kind of see them and you're like, well, Hey man, you're representing us. And not just that, like you're, you know, you can't perform very well either. So it's, it's, you know, recognizing that whether it's, you know, self-recognizing or somebody telling you like, Hey dude, time to get off your ass and you got to go out there and get after it. And, and I think I've said this on the podcast before. I don't, I don't remember, but like, I, I remember being in the gym at Herbie uh, at the 23rd. And I mean, I was just, I probably have a terrible look on my face whenever I'm working out because I'm just in the pain cave. And, and it was probably obvious because I had um, the commander come up to me, great dude, and he goes, Peaches, man, you, you've made it. You don't, you don't need to keep crushing yourself every single day in the gym. And I'm like, no, no I, I absolutely do. Because if not, I will get comfortable and then I'll just, I'll just have this stink about me. And then I'll, I, me, my short ass will definitely start gaining some weight. You know that. <laughs> like a little fire hydrant. <laughs> Just running around, yeah. just like a little, like a little thick, little thick boy, <laughs> just, just little thick stubby arms and whatnot. But you find, I mean, dude, seriously though, you'll find yourself sitting on the couch watching TV for hours on end. And you're like, yeah, I that's, didn't accomplish that's, anything. That's easy though. That's why it's way easier to go to Legendary Donuts and sit on this couch than it is to actually go work out. Duh. Yeah. And then I yeah. see my dog gaining weight too, and then I'm like, oh. We can't oh, have that dog. Happen. Don't do that to your dog. See, and it's not that we don't care about you, but you know, poor puppy. The, the little, you know. Maggie thing. comes first. Maggie comes first when it comes to me, right? Her, yeah. her weight over mine. <clears throat> well, uh, yeah, I, and I think everybody probably has to have separate or different uh, strategies, right? So, like, I have to. You know, like there's that that uh, you don't want to project false humility and like say, hey, I've never done anything cool. Um, but then at least for me. Right. Uh, but I do have to like disassociate sometimes with certain things because, you know, I think we've all get pretty healthy egos. And it's there's there's we're kind of walking, uh, at least for me, like a pretty narrow line, because on one side, it's like totally disassociating myself with the, anything cool that's ever happened. And then or letting the ego take over. And being like, I am, I am probably the coolest guy that's ever lived. Like, I don't know if do you know who I am and what I've done. You don't know who don't I know. am. You don't know who I am. Oh my yeah. goodness, boy, we have a problem. You need, you need to stroke my ego right away. But this conversation is over. Yeah, sit down, kids. Daddy's got some stories. You know, like. But uh, it, it, I think there, there's just there there are traps, and and I, I think. I wanted to sit down and have this conversation because, you know, like I've gone through those things. I don't know if you guys have any stories of like, you know, I don't want to get too personal, but, um, you know, like there, there, 
I have to find something throughout my entire career to make me push forward, right? Like as an instructor, as a as a team leader or team sergeant or, uh, you know, or, or just coming home, right, and, and, and being a normal person and not letting things get to me, uh, but also not, like, saying that none of this stuff matters. So, uh, and, and then also for the people out there, just understanding what the what it means to be on team, what the expectations are, and, and what what you get out of it. You know, like, I don't think it opens doors for you. The, the beret and the community opens doors, but, like, who you are as a person at the end of the day and what you do every day is the only thing that really matters. And I think that's really what I wanted to get down to uh, beyond the, the funny stories and the, the talking shit and all that other stuff. So I don't know if you guys have any anything else to add to that. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, there, there, there's an expectation, right? Like, hey, if you're a controller, there's an ex- if you're an aspect war job, there's an expectation of how you should perform and how you should act. And uh, if you retire or separate and then you do go, you know, apply for a job, like people are going to ask. It's, they, they are not just going off your resume. They are 100% going to call around and, and ask people. And just because you're, uh, you know, a controller, PJSR, whatever it is, does not mean that you're automatically going to get hired to that job. Like, you're just not. And, um, and going back to your, you're kind of walking around with the, um, the, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of thing. Like, that's true. I mean, we, we often, and I've heard it myself, you know, that, that we get called, you know, arrogant a-holes, you know, and we probably do come across like that a lot of times, but um, you know, I try and I try and have as much humility humility as I possibly can. But at the same time, like you also want the 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 folks that are going out and doing that, you know, the hard things, you know, the the hey ho missions from twenty five thousand in pitch black, or or kicking down doors, or calling in cast, or whatever it is, you know, hanging off the side of a cliff to try and rescue a pilot. You want those people to have a a certain confidence about them um, to believe that they're going to go into this situation and that is a really bad situation and come out on top. Because if they didn't have that, then they are going to be more susceptible to failure and hurting themselves or others. So you want them to be extremely confident that they will make it out and they will, you know, come out on top. I mean, just... Like I said, you got to have that with as much humility as you possibly can, and know that you are not entitled to anything. But yeah, we we do have an an air of arrogance with us. I would say that's true. I mean, you can't you, you can't have a group of people that that no kidding believes that they can do the impossible without having people that believe they can do the impossible. Like you're gonna you need those people. Like you're you're dead on. Like you have to. There has to be a part of you that's like. Oh, you're telling me it's impossible to run across this courtyard to get over to that person to go over to that person? I uh, I can totally do that. Watch, you know. So, yeah, I think if uh for the only thing that I would I would wrap up the whole expectation management is is just act like you're you're earning it every single day. Earn earn whatever position you have. Do a really good job every single day. Anytime you leave your workspace, anytime you're walking around your house, you should be able to be like, hey, I'm really proud of that effort that I put in today. And uh. It cleans up a lot of your problems. That's as that's as short as I can make it, Trent. Dang, you know I think I think there's a, a people don't understand. I only come on this podcast for personal mentorship because like I just bring up stuff that I suck at and I ask you guys questions like I know what we're <laughs> we're going to talk about. 
I was I'm just here to, right to get it from you guys so that I can, you know, I'm like, oh, and also I want an excuse to be like, you need to live in the moment type stuff, you know, all the hippie stuff that I like to bring up. But just live in the moment. Live in the, like, no one cares about what you've done in the past. This is your moment. It's your moment. Yeah. Sp- spaghetti on your sweater. Just uh, enjoy the journey, guys. Enjoy the journey. I love this journey for live, you. Live, laugh, laugh. Love, live, like whatever that is. Yeah. Oh my God! My daughter says that there's only boss ba- or uh, gatekeep, boss babe, boss babe, and gaslight. That's the new live, love, laugh. I, you know, I've never been. More I don't even know what that is. I know. I had no. I, I was like, wow, she, she knew. <laughs> wow. Well, well, I think we must be wrapping it up because uh, Maggie's down here getting. All right, Mags. Mags, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so uh, in, in summary, uh, no one cares about what you did yesterday. Earn it today. Uh, move forward. Feel good about what you've done. And uh, start a podcast with uh, some mentors so you can go on and ask questions and pretend like it's not all for your own benefit. Uh, make sure you go check out the website, onesready.com. Pick up some of our merch. Things uh, by the time this podcast drops will probably be amazing. And uh, get yourself something for Christmas and get your family something for Christmas at the, uh, the shop there. And also check out all the people that, uh, that help us out. Like today, we talked about Everly Stock. And then there's Adorex Pomade, Hoist, all those other things, all your favorites. And, um, yeah, appreciate you guys tuning in. Go ahead and earn each breath, and we'll catch you later. 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 Later.